Hello and welcome to a Waypoint Church podcast by Jim Privet. We hope you enjoy listening to it. So uh, my name's Jim and it's a real privilege today to kick off a new series on discipleship um, and uh, it's been something that we have been looking at a little bit more intentionally I think over the last uh, few years. For those of you that know us a little bit more and then uh, perhaps some of you. We have been going to a conference over the last few years called Learning Communities. It's been, it's been amazing for us. It shaped our thinking. It shaped our, uh, our leadership team's kind of strategies as well. And that whole conference is set up to help, I guess, overcome obstacles to growth. Now, um, obviously, at a church this size, we want to see more people coming in through the doors. We want to see these seats that are um, uh, empty be filled by people as well. But this particular uh, year, a couple of years ago now, the whole emphasis was on uh, growth, not in terms of numerical growth, but in terms of spiritual growth. Uh, There's a lot of big churches there, much bigger than us, that all say what we've been saying, and I think a lot of churches struggle with, is we're quite good at getting people in through the door. We're quite good at hospitality things and events and that kind of stuff. And uh, by the way, who went to the men's pub thing on Friday night? Look at that. If you missed it, guys, come along. It's such a good opportunity just to chat with people and get to know them. Uh, But yeah, we're quite good in churches doing this, but we're not so good at getting them up the mountains. Does that make sense? Up the spiritual depth mountain and growing in understanding and and knowledge and everything else as well. So... um, we, off the back of that conference, we kind of thought, okay, what does this look like for us? You know, we, we're all called to be disciples. We're all called into discipleship as well. And so we went on a bit of a journey. As you know, that we, we, we employed Keith a couple of years ago. That didn't work out what, how we thought it was going to work out. Uh, but it certainly started to ramp up again, discipleship and, and the culture of having discipleship in our church family. So this series will not scratch the itch of everyone who's here today thinking, oh, I wonder if he's going to say this, going to say that. It won't do that. This series over the next few weeks possibly won't do that as well but it will bring it back onto the radar of the significance of discipleship and it's a real pleasure for me personally to invite back um, three ex-young people or students if you like um, who used to be with us many many years ago some of you will remember these names so in this series we've got Ed Clark remember Ed? Ed used to lead worship in the old building. He's now the associate worship pastor at Love Church in Bournemouth. He'll be here in a few weeks' time. Uh, Hayley Marchant, she was Robson. Uh, she's now late 20s, which makes me feel really old. Uh, so she works for UCCF, so it's particularly supporting Christian unions in the Cardiff area. She'll be speaking in the series. And Megan Sawyers. So Megan is... I've uh, got a fan here by the sounds of it. Um, <laughs> Megan... <laughs> You sent out some fans in, in advance. But um, she's, uh, she is the daughter of, she's more than that, but she's the daughter of Sarah, who was our family's worker here for many, many years. So Megan is the youth worker now, not just the ladies' youth worker, but the, or girls' youth worker. She's now the youth worker for St. Augustine's, I think. I think that's right. St. Lawrence's in, um, in Reading. She's doing a fantastic job out there. So their age, don't let, them, don't let that put you off, because it's the principles that they're bringing they're going to teach us that we need to apply. Is that okay? Right. Okay. I've got an exercise for us all which is this, and I've totally stolen this, so I can't take any um, glory for it. Um, But it is this. Can you think of, in the next 30 seconds, five sermons or their titles that have radically transformed and changed your life in following Jesus? Five sermons that have radically transformed your walk with Jesus, that have discipled you. Okay, five sermon titles. You've got 30 seconds now. You don't have to talk about it. You can just go... Yes, everyone, it's up to you. I'll carry on. (laughs) Or, think about this, this is loaded, five people 
who have radically changed the way that you've walked with Jesus. Five people that have stood with you, walked with you, encouraged you, loved you, have shaped you or walked with Jesus. Think of five people, five faces. Okay, you good? I'm hoping this has worked. It's probably been easy for you to think of five people, hasn't it? Yeah, we're job done. See you later. So, uh, five people that have impacted me uh, for my walk with Jesus, and in lots of different ways. Some of you know this name. In my youngest years, in my younger years, Gordon Curley. Some of you know that name. An evangelist up at Duncan Road Church, just up the road. Great guy. Uh, and shaped me massively just in the way that he lived for Jesus. Uh, Tom Fielder, Billy's older brother, middle brother. Tom Fielder was the older Christian brother that I never had. My brothers aren't Christians, but um, Tom used to be at all the parties that I used to go to. And he was uh, a very um, good source of strength, let's put it that way, and wisdom and everything else. And uh, I looked up to him a lot. A guy called Steve Ballard, who now has just uh, planted a church in Bristol. uh, And he challenged me massively on my understanding of the Holy Spirit and uh, taught me a lot in that as well. Uh, A guy called Pete Nielsen, that ring a bell? Pete Nielsen was the youth worker here and left in 2008, which is crazy. And he taught me a lot about what it means to be a humble follower of Jesus Christ. And there's many other names, Tim, Mark, Keith, and other people as well. And it's not to say that sermons don't shape us. That's not what I'm saying, okay? Sermons have a place. Of course they do. Otherwise, I wouldn't be stood here. It'd be completely pointless. Um, but they do. Acts 2.42 is a fantastic template of what church is when we come together, taking bread together, worshipping together, praying together, being taught as well from each other. It is that. But I've said this many times before, if this becomes the strongest expression of your walk with Jesus, if this is your only point of discipleship, then you're missing out. Do you believe that? It can't just be this. It can't just be a small group on a Tuesday or Wednesday, whenever it is. Those are great elements of discipleship, but they're not the overall thing. Because eventually, this can be quite spectator-like, can't it? You know, it's a really lovely building, nice. You know, I wish I had some cups there. I could just drink at the same time. You know, that kind of stuff. It can be quite spectator, a culture of just kind of observing whilst other people participate. And it's not that. We are a family. We're a body of believers. We all have something to give. And that's why discipleship is so important. As I was preparing for today, I didn't really know what particular passage to look at, to speak on, could talk on Eli and Samuel, uh, Paul and Timothy, um, Moses and Joshua. But I thought we'd start with Jesus and his disciples. It's always good to start with Jesus, isn't it? Um, so if you're, if you're able to, and you can turn with me to Matthew uh, verse 20, uh, chapter 28, verse 19 to 20, you'll know it. Let's just read that. Hang on, just put the microphone down. You've got these special Bibles where the pages don't turn. Matthew, Matthew 28, 19 to 20 says this, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Now that is the what? What is that? The Great Commission. So Jesus gives this to his disciples after he rose again before he ascended. And that's the mission. Okay? Now you and I, if you, if you are in this room and you've declared Jesus with your mouth, you believe it in your heart, Romans 10, 9, that he is Lord, then we are the recipients of that mission, aren't we? Yeah? We sit in this room today, we're the recipients of that mission. So you therefore are, are a disciple. 
Okay, it's not some special title for someone who wears socks and sandals and a rainbow strap guitar, right, or a big Bible. You are a disciple. Turn to someone now and say, I'm a disciple. With gusto, come on. Good. Some of you are looking at the floor. Thanks for telling the floor that. A disciple is who we are. A disciple is who you are. If you follow Jesus, if you declare it with your mouth, you believe it in your heart, Romans 10, 9, then you are a disciple. So therefore, discipleship is what we do. That's the active part of our identity. You with me? This is the hard part. Discipleship is the hard part, okay? I want to say right now, from the very beginning, for those of you that are the intellectual people that love to study, okay, and you love going on courses about discipleship, there is a place for that. That is absolutely essential. We need to know scripture as a follower of Jesus, but that isn't the focus of my talk today, okay? My focus today is what it looks like to live out, practically live out what it means to be a disciple. And the first thing I want to say, and this is probably the biggest point, and I'll I'll hang around this the most, is that it's about obedience, being a disciple to Christ. It's about obedience, which will always be costly. It will always be costly. If you're fully obedient to Jesus, it's going to cost you something of yourself, or perhaps in an environment that you work in, you live in, you function in, whatever it's going to be. If you look at Matthew Matthew 4, verse 18 to 20... Jesus, as he's calling his first disciples, says this. As Jesus was walking beside the sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. And at once they left their nets and they followed him. And later on he did the same with James and John as well. These were guys that, this is all they knew. This is all that they had. This was their livelihood. This is all that they were really good at. They'd failed rabbi school before. Okay, they weren't particularly great at anything, but this is what they knew. This is where they were going to get their money from. This is their identity. And Jesus said, follow me. And what do they do? They drop their nets. They immediately drop their nets. What they wanted to do was not as important as what they wanted Jesus to do in them and through them. They wanted to join him. They wanted to follow him, which is on his mission. And what is his mission? To reconcile the world through his work on the cross, isn't it? Yeah, to establish his kingdom. 2 Corinthians says this, that you have been reconciled to be reconcilers. You have been reconciled. You've been made right with God through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. You've been given the Holy Spirit as a deposit and a sign of that to help you reconcile the world and establish his kingdom. Amen? Good. <laughs> team Go, that's us now, right? We are the recipients of Team Go, or Go Team. Dun, 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 dun. Right, Go Team. Team Go, we're now part of Team Go. That's the easy bit, because we didn't have to do that. Jesus did that for us. So we've been called on to Team Go. The hard bit is living for him. That's the hard bit. I think, I've, hopefully, I've got a little um, quote up here. I'm not sure if I put it on, but I hope it's by Billy Graham. Can we just scroll through? There it is. Salvation is free, but discipleship costs everything you have. It's powerful, isn't it? Salvation is free, but discipleship costs everything we have. So often I think, I think people treat Jesus as kind of like get out of jail free card. You get to heaven, you just go, see, I said yes once. Right? It's not to say that what you do gets you saved. That's only done through the work of Jesus Christ. But to really live for Jesus, to be a disciple, it's costly. It's costly. Hands up who in this room, through following Jesus Christ, has lost something. Or it's cost you something. Put your hands up in the air. Don't be afraid. That's testimony. I bet you that's been painful, isn't it? 
that is testimony. As a disciple, I, yeah, I can take the freedom that Christ offers me and his grace and his goodness and his mercy and his kindness and his peace and his sustaining love every single day. But do I also want to allow his supremacy, his leading, his lordship? Do I do that every single day? His guidance through the Holy Spirit? Living by his commands? Scripture, therefore, just going to go off on one in a moment. <laughs> Scripture, right? as society grows and grows and grows further away from biblical and godly principles, Scripture never changes, funnily enough. And yet we want to make it change, don't we? There's many things that I read in Scripture that I'm like, I wish that wasn't in there. Because I've got friends that are like that. And I've got family that are like that. I think some of our calling to the count of the cost of following Jesus is going to be actually how we continue to allow God's understanding to lead us and not allow our understanding to lead God's. Scripture is so hard. It's so difficult to understand some of the stuff in there. I wish some of it wasn't in there. And uh, we probably will have more sermons like this in the future, I hope. But as society goes that way and Scripture stays here, we've got a choice to make. Do we lean on our own understanding and society's understanding, or do we leave on scripture understanding? I think part of the cost of following Jesus is to apply scripture that we even struggle with still. Amen? That will shape us. That will make us stand out. That will make us stand out. It's not easy. It's not easy. The disciples, most of them died for following Jesus. Would you be prepared to die for following Jesus? That's a big call, isn't it? Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a theologian, a professor, a pastor, a spy, and a martyr. He was in part of the plot that um, tried to overthrow Hitler. Uh, he wrote a book called The Cost of Discipleship, which has shaped me quite a lot in the last year or so. And he's got this quote, and again, I think I've got this up. Yeah, Christianity without discipleship is always Christianity without Christ. Strong words. Sentiment here is that to follow Jesus, you have to be fully committed to him. Otherwise, we're cheapening the grace that God gave us. It's just, we'll just take what we want and the other stuff, mm, not too sure. I don't believe we can be a disciple without discipleship, without allowing Jesus to lead us through the Holy Spirit every single day. They go hand in hand. It's not just about a name, you're not just a disciple, it's about discipleship. Jesus gave his life for you. That's pretty serious, isn't it? And he says, how serious are you about me? I think sometimes we've watered down our discipleship to these moments as much as I love church, okay? About attending something. I'm a disciple. I go to church. It's beautiful. I love it. I love church. It's fantastic. I used to say to the young people, you know, being a Christian, you know, standing in a garage doesn't make you a car. No, no more than being a Christian, you know, make, going, to, going to church makes you a Christian. I'll say that again in a minute. <laughs> but standing in a garage doesn't make you a car. Like coming to church doesn't make you a Christian. But I think often we've watered down our discipleship about attending something, listening to someone, growing in mental ascent, understanding more things. They are important, don't get me wrong. But discipleship is about choosing to live for him every single day, to live and to love like Jesus. If following Jesus doesn't result in pushing you outside of your own understanding and your strengths, then you're doing it in your own strength, in your own understanding, and that's not what you're called to be as a disciple. Galatians 2.20, Paul says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. He goes on to say that I live by faith in Jesus only. I, every day I live, I choose to live through Jesus through what he's done for me, through what he's wanting to do in my life. It's a costly call. Ask yourself this question regularly. I've got into the habit of doing this. 
Jesus, how do you want me to love, to serve, to react or to speak to the person that's in front of me right now? How do you want me to love, to serve, to react or to speak to the person in front of me right now? So if you're a teacher at school, ask that question in a staff meeting with your children in a one-to-one conversation. How do you want me to love, react, serve, speak to this person right now? If you're a nurse, similar. If you're a single parent, if you're a single person, if you're married, if you're young, if you're a teenager, I don't know. If you're a commuter, if you're a business owner, ask that question. Jesus, how do you want to be you through me? Does that make sense? That will cost you something to ask that question because you'll have to step aside. Paul did this really well. He doesn't live anymore. Strong language, but it's Christ who lives within me. Dallas Willard wrote, I think it's another quote. Another quote, there we go. Discipleship is the process of becoming who Jesus would be if he were you. That's brilliant, isn't it? Discipleship is the process of becoming who Jesus would be if he were you. If he were you, what would Jesus be like in your environment? How are you doing at living like and loving like Jesus, church? Yeah? It's tough, isn't it? It's costly. Because it probably means that we have to get out of the way. (laughs) We have to get out of the way and allow the Spirit to lead us, allow Jesus to lead us. Naturally, that leads to something else. That was my heaviest point, by the way. That naturally it will lead to something else. It will lead to maturity. As we do this, it will lead to your maturity in Christ. It really, really will. Something that I've had to learn over the last couple of years is that often it's through the tough times, through allowing Jesus to take the lead, that I've grown in maturity. On the back of our, um, on the back of our ba- uh, bathroom cupboard door, um, <laughs> when I sit down on the toilet, on the back of our bathroom cupboard door, you can see, sorry I had to put that in, I see there's, um, I've got a photo of this, not the toilet, I've got a photo of this, what's, can we, there we go, right. So, I've got two kids, Obi and Amelie. So, this is their age over many years. See that? Four, five, six. I don't know what happens to Amelie. (laughs) She only turned up, but she's six. Seven, so on and so forth. These are their birthdays. And sometimes when when they forget to shut the door, uh, I sit there and I look at that. I just think, wow, that's amazing. Look how tall Amelie wasn't when she was that. (laughs) She's not here today, so I can say that. but it just reminds me about the importance of growing up. And also, for me, I look at those notches and I don't see height, I see maturity. You know, for us as followers of Jesus Christ, that's what it's about. It's about growing up. It's about growing up. You know, each one of those years isn't just about them getting physically taller, it's about their maturity. And often, as I've said earlier, our maturity comes when it's been the most painful, hasn't it? Particularly in following Christ. How much have you grown as a follower of Jesus over the years? Perhaps some of you have thought, well, I said, yeah, but actually, I'm still kind of four years old. I'm still five years old. I'm still a bit of a, I'm still in the nursery a little bit. But spiritual maturity is the aim. To be more like Christ is the aim. So therefore, we cannot expect to grow unless we experience what Christ experienced. Can we? To live like Christ. To live and love like Jesus. That's how maturity is seen. Ephesians 4.15 says this, we must become like a mature person, growing until we become like Christ. 
and have his perfection. We won't see perfection this side of, the, of eternity. But I love that, that maturity isn't just about coming to church. It's not just about coming to small groups, as great as they are. It's not about a mental ascent. It's not about knowing more scripture. It's not about going on courses. It's not about knowledge, although all those things shape us. Maturity is achieved when we live and love like Jesus, as we become more like Jesus. Are you with me? So that's why we've got to allow Jesus to live through us, because then we mature. That's why you've been given the Holy Spirit, to live through us. Okay? Getting a bit excited. Calm down. So this is why it's so important what we do outside of church. Uh, Irrelevant? Yeah, probably. So I met a guy on Friday at the pub who, um, who, I think this is relevant, who said um, he's part of a big family. (laughs) You you can decide for yourself. He's part of a big family uh, who, um, and part of this family is, you know, they're really, uh, they're all part of church leadership and um, they're all part of big churches and all over the world and stuff like that as well. And this guy was saying, but, you know, his kids I really hope I can share this, I'm sorry. Um, uh, His kids aren't um, perhaps in the faith, if you want to put it that way. uh, But as we carry on conversation, he'll regularly have conversations with his kids about faith and he just felt like he wasn't as good as the rest of his family because their children are in church leadership and this sort of stuff. And I was like, that's it though, right? (laughs) That's the beautiful moment. Um, I've just seen the person there in the room as well. That I was like, mate, you're doing, you're doing a fantastic job. Because you're t- it's easy for people that are in church. You know, I get paid for this. <laughs> you guys don't. You know, it's what you do outside of this that shows your allegiance to King Jesus, the ambassador. You know, we're living for Jesus, loving like Jesus. In the, I just wanted to encourage him in that moment. It's so important. Don't be despondent. We don't get it right all the time. It's not always easy. But we can make it all about this. It's so much bigger than this. So much bigger than this. Can you imagine if the disciples dropped their nets for just like an hour and 15 minutes on a Sunday morning? <laughs> yeah, I'll follow you, Jesus. I'll pick up my neck on the way, net on the way back out again. That's not discipleship. It's in those tough moments, those hard moments, where you're the only one in your family maybe that follows Jesus. And you're still following him. And you're still talking about him. And you're still displaying love like he displays that's what it's about this is why Jesus completely role modeled something different I think this is why Jesus did a, a relational discipleship which is my penultimate point discipleship works best when we are connected to other people who have the same kingdom focus as us so the disciples they dropped their nets they followed Jesus for three years they did as Jesus did they learned from him yep teaching is important But also they just did what he did. He would send them out. Go try it. Go pray for that person. Go feed those people. Go love that person. Go challenge that person. He lived with them for three years. He trained them up. He didn't tell them off when they got things wrong, often. right? He just loved them and encouraged them to go back out there again. Three quarters of Jesus' ministry was spent with ones and threes and twelves and fours. Just building relationship. That's discipleship. Are you with me? That's discipleship. This is why small groups are important. But they're not everything. I've been part of small groups that are more fellowship focused or more study focused. That's great. But have you got people in your life, like Jesus, well you've got Jesus, but people in your life that will push you. I love that in the, when Jesus calls Peter out of the boat, 
right? And also when Jesus is on the Mount of Olives and he's teaching his disciples, they're both discipleship moments, both of them. But we pay so much attention to the learning part of it. Have you got anyone in your life who's going to go, go on, get out there, get out of the boat. Go on and I'll pray with you. When you get wrong and you sink again, I'm going to pray with you. We're going to encourage each other. My most growing moments as a follower of Jesus, as a disciple, has come just getting alongside someone. They haven't been particularly well versed. They don't know everything about it. But let's just listen to the Spirit as you're talking to them, as you're allowing them to keep you accountable. I've had texts from people this week saying, praying for you, brother. You know, praying for this, praying for that. I've done the same. That's discipleship. It's so important. It's so important. It's Jesus' preferred model as well for transformation in you. This will transform us. This is important. But have you got people in your life that are discipling you or that you're discipling? It's such an important part of the process, without a doubt. Some of the, some of the standout moments for me as I've discipled young people many years ago was um, a night at the edge. So the edge was our youth group. Um, it stopped uh, due to covid but um, something would happen at the edge, as often if you've served at the edge, you'd know a lot happened quite a lot at the time. And it would, uh, it would all kick off. And then, you know, some of the younger leaders would feel like, oh, I'm just not very good at this. And we'd have pizza back at our house and we'd be chatting about stuff. And um, they shared, you know, they struggle with this, struggle with that. And it was such an opportunity to be intentional, uh, to disciple them and say, well, why don't you try this next time? Why don't you try that next time? You're not a failure. Don't worry about it. You try to do this. You try to do that. You try to speak uh, to 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 live like Jesus in that moment. Try it next week. That's that's transformative. You need people in your life that will do that with you, that will share those moments with you. Mark Palmer is part of our church. He's reasonably new-ish. Mark, are you here? Yeah, I'm reluctant to get you to stand up, but I'm going to get you to stand up. You stand up. (laughs) This is Mark. He's a great guy. He's an awesome guy. Um, you can sit down now. Stop milking it. Um, <laughs> anyway, I went to the pub with him about a month ago. Probably was it a month ago? And we were just chatting about life and stuff as well. And it, he just sort of let it, let it slip out that he said um, that he disciples 10, 10 men every month-ish. Yeah, just a bit of that. So you go for walks, don't you, with guys? And you just, you just all sorts, from old other churches, from this church, from work, friendships, whatever it might be. He just intentionally gets alongside them, prays with them, talks with them, challenges them, loves them, listens to them. I love that, don't you? Yeah? Hands up if you want someone in your life like Mark Palmer. <laughs> Hands up. Don't be shy. There, Mark, there's a job. But we are all disciples. We're all, some of the most powerful disciples I've ever seen are new converts, for example. People that just, just have just met Jesus. and They've gone, yeah, I follow Jesus. I believe it in my heart. And they just go around telling people. They go loving people and talking about it. They don't know much about scripture. They don't know. They haven't been through a six-week program. They've just done it. They've just discipled. They've got alongside people. That's such a powerful thing, isn't it? Are there people in this room, in the room next door? Thank you if you're listening to us next door still. You haven't switched off yet. Um, are there people you can go, I want to disciple that person? Or I want to be discipled by that person? This is the culture that we want to have, isn't it, as a church? Discipleship. Yes, there's going to be space for programs. Yes, we need to learn and get our head into Scripture. That's a key part, and we'll hear more about, more about that as, as this series goes on. Last thing. It doesn't just transform us. It doesn't just grow us, discipleship. As we learn to step out, and as we learn it's costly, as we learn it matures us, and we get people around us in the ones and the threes and the twelves. But also, it's Jesus' preferred method for the transformation of the world. 
Discipleship is Jesus' preferred method for the transformation of the world. Think about it. Yeah? He invested into people, ones, threes, and twelves. They went on and invested into other people. They went on and invested into other people, and so on and so forth. We're part of a movement. We're part of a movement. Sometimes it just feels like we're just part of an organization. We're not. We're part of an organism, a living thing, a movement. That's why we've got the Spirit in us to help us move. We're living. Discipleship is Jesus' preferred method for the transformation of the world. And last week when Dan Harmon was here, I loved his sermon. It was fantastic, right? That message of hope was brilliant. And I think if you were here, you, we were asked to hold, hold our hands out and pray for the chair in front. Was that right? If I remember right, rightly. I would just pray that, you know, God will bring new people to the church and all that kind of stuff. And then I had a sense whilst he was doing that, I felt like God was saying, yeah, that's great. Let's pray for that. But I've kind of given you a model. <laughs> I've already kind of given you a model to, to achieve it. Church, we've already been given the model. If we want to see these chairs filled, do you remember when Tim was with us and he had the three chairs up here? Some of you were with us then. The old, the, 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 the chair of the past, the, the current chair and the, and the chair in the future. Remember that? It's the same thing. It's the same thing. If we want that chair to be filled, if we want these chairs to be filled. And it's not just about filling chairs. It's about bringing God's kingdom, right? Seeing lives changed. I'm not really into numbers. I'm into, I'm into lives being changed for Jesus. You know, and he looks to you. Jesus didn't say in the great commandment, you know, go, bring them to Waypoint Church. <laughs> go, bring them to an Alpha course. As right and as beautiful and as good as those things are, and please keep doing those things. He says, you go. You go. That's a great car, isn't it, from the past? You go. <laughs> Is that right? My mind is bonkers. You go. You go out. You love them. You serve them. You react like I would react if I was with them. You listen to them. You pray with them. You cry with them. You say nothing with them. You stand with them. You send them a text. It's, it's, it's kind of simple. <laughs> That's why Jesus set it up. Okay? It's, it's, it's just hard to get beyond ourselves to do it often. There's people in your workplaces, people in your lives right now, whoever you are, whatever age, who you are Jesus to them. You are. And the, na- the natural and the safe thing to do is to either just not say anything or perhaps to say, well, okay, I'll step out a bit and invite them to church. Fantastic. I'll invite them to an Alpha course. Brilliant. But you go. He's equipped you with the Holy Spirit. You've got all the equipping and the calling that you need to do this. Otherwise, Jesus is a liar and he's not that. He's already said, I'll be with you to the very end of the age through the Spirit. You go. You go do that. You can do it. I don't know what to say, Jim. I'm lacking in wisdom. What does Scripture say? Anyone's lacking in wisdom, what do you do? Ask for it. Believe it. Apply the Scripture. It will work. You go. You love them. You serve them. You teach them. You live and love like Jesus. And these chairs will naturally get filled. They can come here and listen to me waffle on. (laughs) They come here and join a course. Fantastic. Or they could... In your environment, in your context, your mission field, you could step out. You could step out and you could love them and you could learn to serve them and everything else. It's Jesus' preferred method for the transformation of the world. I've got a little um, representation of this, I think, a visual. Can we scroll through? Again, that. I nicked this. I can't remember where I nicked it from, but I've nicked it. Um, Usually churches take the funnel, we do it the other way around. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? We pour everything into the church and then you get like a drip that impacts the world quite slowly. Yeah? 
But actually, Jesus said, I've set up a model for you. If we want to see this place full with new life, with people on fire for Jesus, that's the model that works. That one, where we all go, we all take responsibility for sharing Jesus, just as we are, as his disciples were as well. I said enough. Um, Look around. Look around. Say again, I'm a disciple. Don't be shy. I'm seeing people not look around. I'm a disciple. There we go. Own it. Therefore, you're called to discipleship. You're called to a costly life. Some of you are nervous right now because you know it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you a moment, a conversation, perhaps even, I don't know. I don't know what it might cost you, but only God does. He's saying, come out of the boat. Let me lead you. That cost will lead to maturity and expectation in God. That will grow you. Do it with people around you as you go. Look around. Have a look now. You might be thinking, I'm going to go talk to Mark Palmer. Sorry, Mark. Or I'm going to go talk to this person or wherever it might be. I want you to disciple me. I'm going to be humble enough to know I need, to, I need help walking with Jesus. I want you to disciple me. I have the privilege in my job of meeting with people every day at the moment and chatting with them and encouraging them and praying with them. It's fantastic. It's beautiful. And that's what it's about. Because as we do that with each other, we'll grow in confidence, we'll grow in faith and we'll impact the world as Jesus intended it to be. Amen? Amen. Right, this month is going to be a great month, and I hope it continues to raise discipleship on our radar in our culture of our church as well, as other people bring different aspects of discipleship. Um, I'm just going to pray, and then we're going to spend some time in communion as well. Let's just pray. Lord, our desire, our heart is to see your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven Lord that's our desire to see salvation to see a world transformed Lord by you Lord to see names and lives changed Lord I just we just lift up now in this space people that we know in our own lives that don't know you and Lord you you call us to be you to those people fill us with your spirit to overflowing fill us again with your Holy Spirit to, to step out in confidence in boldness in love to live as you lived equip us your disciples to have a kingdom focus Forgive us for the times, and Lord, I thank you that you've already forgiven us, but forgive us for the times where we just pick up our nets for an hour and 15 minutes and then drop them again. Or drop them and then picking them up, whatever it is, Lord. I just pray, Father, that we can have hearts that burn for you. This is, this is how things change, when we have hearts that are burning and yearning for you, for your kingdom and for your glory. Teach us, Lord, to be disciples that yearn and after you that you earn to see people's lives changed for you and for your glory. Thank you, Lord. We don't have to guess at how to do this. We just step out. We just step out. We do as you did. Come, Holy Spirit, fill us again. Fill us anew. In your name, amen.